a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I'm excited for you to meet them. So Proverbs, let's get a little Old Testament on you here. Proverbs 17, uh, verse 17 says, chapter 17, verse 17 says, quote, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. And today's guest embodies all of those words and the all of those attributes uh, that are in that verse uh, for me. Uh, not because he's a biological brother of mine. Uh, he's not. Uh, uh, but if he were, uh, if, 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 if I were to have maybe just a slightly older, a little bit older brother, maybe like a twin uh, a brother who is uh, unfortunately uh, prematurely graying right now, uh, he, uh, our guest would have fit in perfectly uh, with the Peterson boys back in Annandale, uh, low those many years ago. Uh, and our guest uh, also embodies this proverb, uh, not because uh, his life has been defined uh, by adversity. Uh, he's not Job, um, but you know, like a lot of us and a lot of listeners, he's experienced um, you know, some unduly premature uh, loss uh, that he's uh, had to sort of like, you know, grow up faster than, than, than many. Uh, and he's, you know, again, like the rest of us, he's faced other challenges and the junk that life throws just as you just keep walking through this world um, in varying degrees. Uh, you know, health and jobs and being a Vikings fan, I mean, there's a lot of things uh, that that our guest uh, uh, has has had to uh, sort of face uh, in his in his own way as as it relates to adversity. But it's the way that he's dealt with life's challenges, and the way he's there side by side with others uh, as they deal with their own challenges, uh, which makes him uh, to me the epitome of both a friend and a brother, albeit from another mother. Uh, He's not a military guy, uh, but in the metaphorical foxhole of life, this is the guy you want with you uh, in all times and all seasons. Uh, His list of professional accomplishments is second only to his list of personal ones, uh, being a a devoted husband of, it's got to be over 25 years now, a father to three daughters uh, who Betsy and I love as our own, uh, and a brother and a son and a friend uh, who indeed uh, loves and has loved at all times, just like the proverb says. So please welcome today's manna man, Mr. Tom James. Tommy. Hey, Jeffrey. Hey, thanks. Uh, we could just let you continue on with that opening. I think, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, as you were going through some of that, I remember back, it was a couple of years ago, I think we were sitting outside of uh, Winstock waiting uh, hours and hours in the hot sun. And I think I asked you, if I die young, for some odd reason, I want you to read or do my eulogy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> you're not going to feel any better about the things that you say. So I really appreciate your words, man. I feel similar and uh, love you to death. You know that. But uh, thanks for those kind words. 
Well, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this just in case I'm not going to will any premature death at all, but just in case we'll, uh, and, and you know what, maybe, and if I go first, you may, you can just maybe play that. You have to play it. We'll leave it to one of the girls to figure that out. But anyway, uh, it, it has, it's great, uh, to, to finally get you on mana. I was, we were joking before, uh, the tape rolled here that you've been one of the more, uh, I don't want to say belligerent, but one of the more, you know, kind of humble, uh, resistant guests. And so, you know, season eight, that's your, that's your season. That's the Greg Coleman season, number eight. So. Yeah, I like it. You know, I've, I've listened to a few of these along the way. And uh, yeah, I think the reason I've uh, probably dodged you a little bit is I'm not sure I feel worthy, right, to some degree. So uh, that you've had some great guests and uh, really impactful people. And it, it's fun to listen to them. But, you know, as I think about this and, and just trying to gather some thoughts in advance of this, it's I struggle a little bit, right? So you know that. So I think you probably hit the bottom of the barrel, Jeff. I understand that. But, <laughs> but I appreciate the invite. Not at all. Not at all. And in fact, in fact, even though uh, it has taken eight seasons to get you on Manit, you actually, I was going back uh, in between seasons here, I've been going up and just kind of cleaning up some past episodes and just kind of reproducing <clears> some <throat> things. And I was reminded that you, you have actually been um, referred to on Mana way back in season two, and you maybe didn't even know about it, but it was a it was the the uh, the episode that we did with uh, my brother-in-law, Father Mark Wayman, and we were talking about friends. And I told a story, which I'm going to tell now, just briefly, uh, to set up our first question here. And I told a story of um, you uh, as 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 the only friend that took me up on an offer to go to a. It was some kind of, I can't even remember what it was, but it was back at our old church and it was an evening kind of a thing, maybe a speaker or something like that. And it was really interesting to me. And so I, I cast this broad invitation to all the guys. I'm like, hey, let, hey, who wants to go? And crickets, nothing, <laughs> nobody. And uh, But you said, yeah, I'll go. And so we ended up going, sat in the same pew, a great speaker. Then it, there was adoration. So it got super deep and cool and quiet and reflective, the whole thing. And, um, and then it ended. And then, and as I was driving home, uh, I, I called you, uh, to thank you for, for coming again. And you said the coolest thing, uh, that a friend could say to another friend, uh, you said, no, no, you, you said, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, but, but, you know, I was there because I knew it was important to you. Or something like that. It was, I'm paraphrasing now, but, 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 and to me on the other end, that was like, it was almost this, this sort of, you didn't know going into it, if it was going to be a good night or not, but it didn't matter because it was something that you knew was important to me. And so the mark of a true friend. And so that's kind of where I want to start. Has that always been, I mean, as long as I've known you, as long as I've been blessed to know you, that's been who you are and just side by side, thick and thin, no matter what. Um, but has that always been, you know, a kind of a hallmark of your life? Like when, when you were growing up, was that, was that just, and it's probably, you're probably too humble to kind of look inside it and say, oh yeah, I've always been a great friend, (laughs) but has that, has friendship been a really important thing for you, uh, your whole life? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Right. Um, I think it's really easy to be, you know, selfish and, and it's easy to fall into patterns and, you know, you can just kind of work your way through life, right? You get up, you kind of do the same pattern, you go to work, you have dinner with the family or, and all of a sudden you got to kind of look back and say, 
have I been a good friend? And I think I've said this to you along the way a few times, like I've been a crappy friend lately. Right. And, <laughs> and, and you kind of feel that inside of you, but <clears throat> you know, one of the things that, that you've always been great at, and I think, you know, what I, what I tend to find myself uh, showing interest in others is, is when they kind of push my button a little bit and ask for something unique that, that wouldn't be pattern like. Right. And when you're presented with that, I've always been like, heck yeah. I mean, this, this is not, uh, I'm kind of an introvert by by trade, right? So when someone says, hey, go do this extrovert kind of thing, I usually push myself out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do it, you know, certainly for the person who's who's being a friend of me and asking the question. But, you know, part of me is challenging myself a little bit, too. And so, yeah, that's out of my comfort zone, going to church that night with you and wondering what it was all going to entail. And was I going to get a message out of that? But, you know, first and foremost, I wanted to go hang with Jeff. And, yeah. uh, and that's important to me. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, you had siblings, you had friends who were, were, was the friendship sort of commitment, this, this sort of a little bit of even adventurous, like, Hey, it'd be be a good experience. I mean, was that something that you remember your folks being pretty uh, kind of conspicuously sort of direct about, or, or was it something that you just feel like you were just kind of born with, you know, or, or, or was that kind of how all of your buddies hung out um, back there in the stomping grounds of St. Cloud? Yeah, right. That's the thing. East side of St. Cloud. No, we were, uh, this is back in the seventies, as you know. And so, you know, it was a little different time and uh, we, you kind of had to carve your own path a little bit because you, you get stuck in what, you know, was a traditional kind of East side of St. Cloud. Uh, and so I would say, honestly, I was probably a little bit unique. Uh, in that respect with that group. And, and I probably challenged the status quo a little bit with, with just my approach and some of my ideas, um, which might've been a little different. And, you know, I, I would say back in the day, I was super shy about kind of bringing those to the forefront, worried if my friends would, you know, not want to be friends with me uh, or, or go a different direction. But, you know, part of me was, I think there's more out there. And so I think I, I you know, I've always kind of tended to kind of go the direction of people who I felt were willing to go there and, and, and didn't necessarily care if that was cool or, you know, the popular thing to do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I was looking for, you know, good friends and, and fun times. And, and, uh, that, that tended to, uh, to lead me down the path of the, the people I care most about today. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about the, specifically the relationships, the friendships with guys, you know, because we here at Mana, we kind of talk about, <clears throat> you know, just how guys are built and how we communicate and how we maybe can get better about, you know, communicating. When you think about, you know, because again, as, as long as I've known you, you've been wonderfully this perfect balance of, you know, it's fun and, 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 the, and the sort of fraternal kind of aspects of friendship, but also those moments, and you, you kind of made light of it earlier, but where you're, you're very... Um, transparent and very open about like, God, I've been just a crappy friend. You know what I mean? So we've had some of the best conversations I've had with any other person, man or woman. Uh, but so when you think of your arc of, of sort of relationships with men or, you know, you know, boys back in the day and then turning into men, you know, kind of the, uh, throughout the seasons of life, college, just starting to work, being married, then having kids and being a family guy. And, and, and now, you know, very soon to be here. What, look at your watch, empty nesting here. <laughs> how has, how has, how has your relationship and friendship with guys changed over time or has it not? Has it always kind of been a pretty steady balance of that? Hey, let's not overthink it. Let's just go have some great experiences. Um, and then also, you know, kind of check in with each other. 
Yeah, no, it's, I would say it's definitely changed. And I think it just changes via maturity to some degree, but you start to appreciate things uh, differently as you age and, and gain experiences as well. And, you know, look, I would say my first 25 years of, of being a friend was, you know, the typical friendships, you're, you're playing ball together, you're, you know, you're watching football, you're maybe drinking beer when you get into the twenties, et cetera. That it was kind of the total typical kind of guy relationship, you know, certainly had great friends and, and, and got into some uh, deeper conversations, but for the most part, it was surfacey friendship. Uh, and then as you start to kind of, you know, you go through marriage and you've got a family and you've got this occupation and all kinds of important things tugging at you, but it started to kind of open my eyes to what was important in friendships. And, and along that same time, lucky for me, I think, honestly, because I'm not sure this would have evolved for me the same way if I didn't find this, but, you know, Jody and I chose Holy Name uh, for Madeline to go to. And that was a that was a stretch for us. We were public school people, and, and that was the path we were going. And we kind of stumbled upon Holy Name just because the the school system that Madeline would have went to, my oldest, was going to be just way too big for her personality. So, you know, but what we didn't realize walking through that door uh, and, and going through that tour, you know, was what was going to come from it. And what came from it was friendships like you and you and I and, and many others that I could you know kind of name off that. We're super welcoming, number one, but but number two, just just kind of brought a different part of my kind of guy to guy relationship side of it out, right? Uh, you start you start to care about people in different ways, and and you start to see how they, you know, treat their families and and, and the level of care that they have for their friends, and you know, it it's it's really something that takes on a life of its own. But you know, I, I look back and you know and, and look at those twenty some years ago and say that was, that was the changer that that's really what developed, I think me into kind of who I am today and, and allowed me to mature at a different kind of pace, maybe in, in friendships and levels of care, you know, uh, for all really, I mean, obviously my guy friends, but you know, gal friends and, uh, and, uh, kids, et cetera. So. Yeah, <clears throat> no, I agree. It was definitely a, uh, a, a, a kind of a watershed moment for, I think a lot of yeah. us, you know, where we, <clears throat> sort of found each other and found this great and, and, and kind of wrote this great chapter uh, together. And, and what, you know, one of the things just by nature of, of the type of school that did bring us together being, you know, uh, a parochial school, Holy Name of Jesus, that whole thing. It also, you know, for that, for that time period and other guys have, uh, who have been on the show and, and are in our circle have talked about it as well as, you know, our kids also sort of by nature of being surrounded with, faith education, all the masses, all of the sacraments that happened in those, in that time of life. It also turned into, you know, in sort of the peaks and valleys of a faith journey. Um, it, it manifested as one of the peaks because that's just, it's what we all did. You know, <laughs> it's like everybody's, it's your social life. It's your, it's your community. How, how, was that so so that that was you know if if there's like an ekg of sort of the faith path for tom james you know that period is going to be a little bit higher on the ekg how many other how many other peaks have there been like like when you were growing up was was church a a, a bigger deal or or you know was it kind of a a, a kind of a, a not baseline, but just kind of more of a steady kind of a thing. And then, and then maybe, you know, as we say, kind of peak later in life, but how, how has that been throughout your kind of your, your life? How, what role has faith kind of played in and out? 
Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> if I think back, so my, so my mom was very heavily involved uh, in St. Augustine's Church in St. Cloud. So she worked uh, at the rectory for many years as kind of administrative assistant for uh, for the school and the church. And so she was, she was obviously very, um, ingrained in kind of the, 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 all the goings on related to church. And so I would say I was very much a consistent Sunday morning at church kind of guy. <laughs> um, what I didn't probably do is, 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 you know, physically I was there, but mentally was I there? Was I really understanding kind of the reasons for being there and why it was so important to mom? And by the way, my dad did not attend. He was Lutheran. We were Catholic, and so he would be at home, but <clears throat> all the kids were there, right? Very important to my mother, and as a result of that, we never whined about it, you know, because we knew it was important to her, but physically, I was there, and I think as I look at kind of how I've evolved to now, and there's been, you know, obviously a few different steps in between, but now I don't really measure my faith by my attendance on Sundays, right? Because it isn't consistent right now. I measure my faith in very different ways. Um, you know, the level of uh, communication or prayer that I have, you know, with Jesus and, and, the, and the way I treat, you know, my family or my relationship with Jody or my friendships, you know, I, I measure it very differently than maybe it was back in the day, but uh, I'm not as physically present there. And that's something I'm working on because I think I'll find my way back there to be more consistent eventually, but there is a, a kind of changing dynamic, but I feel much tighter in my faith today that I definitely did in the first, you know, 17, 18 years of my life when I was consistently there every week. Um, and, you know, I, I think some of what changed is, you know, as you know, Jeff, my mom passed away when I was 20 mm -hmm. and that was a very sudden, unexpected death. And as a result of that, you know, I went through a foggy period, right? And, you know, there was, there was some anger that was attached to that for sure. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and some of that fog has never gone away, right? And I don't expect it ever will, but, you know, the, the fog is kind of a, you know, forces you to kind of remember and, and, and what has evolved for me and, and you know, the, experiencing that untimely death of my mother was, you know, now I learn to appreciate more, right? So I know that, you know, we're on borrowed time, no matter if you're 40 or 70, you're on borrowed time. And you've got to make sure that the time you do have and the time that you're spending with friendships and relationships is, is uber important and, and something you've got to, you know, give the appropriate amount of time and, uh, too. So, you know, that, that fog that never is probably going to leave me is also a really important part of who I am and, and keeps me kind of balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and speaking of your mom and, and I alluded vaguely, uh, to, to that, uh, in your intro and, and yeah, there was no way we're not talking about your mom, uh, <laughs> in this, in this, in this, in this episode here, uh, not only because of obviously the influential role she played, on you for too short of a time, but also for what that did, what her passing did um, at such a young age um, to influence the relationship with your dad. And, and so I wanted to just chase that for a little bit. When you think of, you know, and you mentioned, you know, from a, from a church kind of standpoint, you know, maybe dad wasn't all that involved. Um, but, but I have to imagine that after your mom passed and now, not just for you, but for your siblings as well, but, but for you and your dad to now, to then go through really, you know, pretty much your, your whole adult life, you know, until he passed, you know, that had to, that had to, um, create just such a, a unique, um, relationship, um, where, 
yes, he's your dad. He's kind of the, the role model, you know, that you grew up with, you know. Uh, um, but also now he's must have felt like you're we were walking even more side by side with him uh, over those years. So talk a little bit about how that relationship, you know, kind of you know evolved probably instantaneously, but then also uh, continued to evolve over the over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, to know my dad is, is to kind of know the dad that, you know, uh, grew up in the 50s, right? So mm-hmm. this is uh, this is a guy that worked in the prison system for 25 years, right? Pretty quiet, silent leader, very consistent individual, which was awesome. Our family needed it. I mean, my my mom was kind of the, the heartbeat to a degree. She brought the, the laughter, the energy to the, to the room. My dad was more the consistent guy. And, and I think I've definitely got a bit of both of them, right? Um, uh, I know I do, but at, at any, at any rate, when, when mom passed as early as she did, they were just planning for retirement, right? This was their time that they were going to kind of build their little town home, do some travel. So this was a complete, you know, shot to the stomach. And so, yeah, we absolutely leaned on each other, but I think it's because we were scared, right? I mean, we didn't quite know what to do. Um, she kind of ran the house and she made the meals and she made sure all the chores were done and, and you know, when she passed, there's always that, you know, few weeks when you've got all kinds of people coming through the front door and bringing meals and everything else. But it's 30 days past that, that you kind of look at each other like, now what? (laughs) What are we going to do? Right. And so, uh, so, you know, I was the youngest of seven and uh, I was the last one at home uh, when she passed. So my my, uh, siblings are off, you know, having their families and, and, and living where they do. But uh, and they were super supportive, by the way. So it wasn't like dad and I were on an island by any stretch. My sisters are rocks. Uh, but, you know, at seven o'clock on a Monday night, someone's got to do the laundry, right? Yeah, right or, yeah. you know, 530, what are we going to eat? Mm-hmm. And we both had to teach each other those things. And so I did my best to try to support him where where, where I thought he needed some help. And I was kind of thinking about, you know, within a couple of years, I'm gone. And so he's yeah. going to have to kind of figure this out on his own. And so, uh, so it, it really brought us closer together, but, you know, we always still had that kind of father son relationship. I wouldn't say anything, you know, blossomed overnight. It was, but we definitely knew that we had to rely on each other a bit more and, and it became really special. Uh, so, you know, those are, those are days as I look back now and he's passed now, but, um, you know, super special to me. And, and, you know, I think we're all put in situations for a reason. And I think my job at that point was to try to help him through this. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and, and you just, at 20 years old, you know, you just, uh, and we think, you know, we've got kids that are 20 and you just think, oh my gosh, like how fast you had to grow up and, and step up into it. But, and yet you're still, you're still his son, you know, you're still, you're still trying to figure out your own world. And, uh, it's just, uh, it was, it's, I can't even imagine, um, just the, the, the confluence of emotions and, and, and everything. What, what, you know, so obviously, you know, as, as we said, that situation thrust you and your dad into an even more sort of intimate, you know, sort of relationship. But if you think back to that, that time, who were some other men that you could lean on, could look to, and maybe they were, maybe they were past coaches or teachers that just, you know, helped kind of shape your character, gave you, you know, kind of a little bit of a North Star growing up. Can you think of any other guys other than your dad at at that kind of stage that you really kind of looked up to and really felt like, okay, this is what I'm, this is kind of what I'm shooting for. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I haven't thought much about that, but as you asked the question, I think through it, I think I think kind of what you said earlier, right? So so we are St. Cloud guys, typical guys, you know, relationship. We talk sports and we talk about gals probably and <laughs> while we're having a beer. Um, but I, I think, you know, my core group of friends, uh, they, they stepped up and, yeah. and they started to treat me a little bit differently. And when I say treat, it's just the line of questions. It's just the extra reach out. It's just the, hey, you want to go grab a coffee? You know, there were some, you know, unique things that for sure my core friends did that I started to see them in a different light. And, you know, I I think that told me that these are my long term guys. Right. These are the guys that I know are are there through thick and thin because they're looking at this. and, And not only are they interacting with me when we're together, but they're thinking about me when we're not together. Mm-hmm. and wondering how I'm doing and how I'm coping. And, you know, guys like Jim Brown, you know, lifelong friend. And this guy, you know, doing things he's never done up to that point, right? Asking me questions he's never asked me up to that point. So it's a chance for him to mature knowing that I'm I'm in need of some help, right? Yeah. And so those are great things. And, you know, like I said, I really hadn't thought about it until you asked the question. But, you know, I, I would say definitely those guys uh, – and they're lifelong friends today and they stepped up and I, I probably need to thank them, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and now as a dad yourself, you know, and I mentioned your, your, your girls in, in the intro who are just honestly, just, we, we can't say enough because we, because our, because our, our girls grew up with them. And so we feel like we're just so blessed to, to be so, uh, whether you wanted us or not, we're part of the James <laughs> clan as well. <laughs> but, you know, so, so you're a dad of three girls, I'm a dad of four girls. And, and as you know, um, I was, um, I, th- I think, you know, I was saved by the fact that, that Betsy and I had four girls. Cause I don't think I could do guys. Uh, whereas you, uh, you know, you're, you're athletic, you're competitive. You've got a, you've got a eye of the tiger kind of a thing when, you know, you, for folks that don't know, Tom and I used to coach girls basketball when they were very, very young. And, and I won't get into a lot of the detail, but Tom was the coach. I was like the comic relief. Okay. So Tom knows what he's doing. And so I'm wondering now, as, as now you're looking at uh, your, your life as a father, your vocation as a father and being such a good dad and such a good dad to girls, you know, what, what do you attribute your success of being so great at it, you know, where, whereas, you know, at your own upbringing, you know, if, if someone were to look at the two of us and say, okay, which one of these guys is a dad of girls? I guarantee you they'd point to me because they're like, that guy can't do anything else. Whereas you, you know, are so, um, you're so great at it. And yet I, th- I feel like you bring such a balance to it. And so I'm just wondering, uh, as you thought about your own success as a dad to these wonderful girls, to, to what do you attribute it to? Ooh, that's tough. I mean, <clears throat> obviously you got to look back. And by the way, I, you and I were rock star coaches. Right? <laughs> I think it was a, a complete marriage made in heaven, you know, because uh, I had none of the skill set you had. And by the way, at the end of the day, fifth and sixth grade girls go home and, and they should talk about how much fun they had. And you brought the fun. <laughs> I tried to teach them basketball, right? <laughs> but that's not the stuff they're remembering, right? At the end of the day. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, look, I think you learn. Uh, and by the way, I mean, I, I make a ton of mistakes. <laughs> I still, you know, I still uh, interact with my girls as it relates to athletics too much on the athletic side and not enough on the, are you having a good time? Do you really enjoy it? Right. And so 
Um, I'm not perfect by any stretch on that front, but it, it, that's part of life, right? You, you got to, like, you don't stop making mistakes when you hit 54, right? And so, right. <laughs> you know, as Elise, who's playing tennis uh, right now, can attest to dad still makes a lot of stupid bonehead mistakes and the things that he says or the things that he asks after a match. <laughs> uh, but, you, you know, you learn it from your parents. You learn it from your siblings. Look, I had a chance to watch six of my brothers and sisters grow up ahead of me, and, and, I, and I saw... I look, I saw where my brothers made the stupid mistakes and, um, but you, you just, you take a little piece of every interaction, um, that they're having, uh, with your parents or that they're having with their friends. And, and it just, it helps form who you are. And then obviously you're, you're your own individual and, and you got to kind of, uh, you know, develop exactly how you feel that you would parent. But at the end of the day, Jeff, I mean, if you'd have asked me before I had kids, are you going to be a better boy dad or a better girl dad? I'd, I'd have probably said a boy dad, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I really do like uh, sports and athletics and that tends to be more boyish in nature now, you know, as, as we've shown with our seven girls, you know, all of our kids are very athletic and talented mm-hmm. in many different ways. Um, but, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have known it. So you kind of, you kind of learn it as you go and, and you make mistakes and, and poor Madeline, my oldest, right? She got, she had most of the mistakes made on her, but uh, the other two benefited from it. <laughs> oh, I think you did it right. And in, in all, in all the right ways. All right. Well, Hey, we, uh, we could talk all night and we already know so much about each other and we could still talk all night, but, uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna keep things moving along here and we're gonna get to our fun segment. Uh, of the big show here. So this is where we ask the same three questions of every guest. They've had ample opportunity to come up with dazzling answers. And especially this guest who has had, (laughs) yeah, we count it by years now that he's had a chance to think of these uh, answers. So let's dive in. So a fun segment question. Number one, if Jesus knocked on your door tomorrow morning and just wanted to hang out for the day, what is your day going to look like with Jesus? Yeah, it's going to be a great day. Um, so we're, we're going to hop in a time machine, Jeff, and we are going back to the 90s because uh, I am an inquisitive person and I'm, I'm looking for answers <laughs> or at least insight. Um, so, you know, we are, we're going to swing by uh, where my mom is buried. And uh, as I mentioned, she passed away when I was 20. So she was 53 at the time. And I, and I want to know, I want to, what was so damn important that you had to take her as early as you did? (laughs) So, you know, she's got a greater purpose, obviously in heaven. And, uh, and he realized that early on our father. And, and, uh, I just want to know, right. I mean, I still have some, uh, some, uh, confusion or fog, as I say about that. And, uh, I would love to hear a bit about, uh, the reasons behind it. So that's, that's the first step. Um, then we're going to swing over to St. Cloud State. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, he, I'm going to talk to him about uh, Jody, who I met my, uh, mm-hmm. one of my last classes of my senior year, but an individual who uh, I had seen for years in advance of that walking around campus and never had the courage to go up and say hi, or, you know, find a way to uh, interact with her until we ended up in a small group class. Um, yeah. It was a night class. And, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, we ended up being in the same small group and, and we were given the task of doing a ritual and, and we chose marriage as the ritual that we were wow. going to celebrate and, and do in front of the class. Yeah. And who got married? Jody and, and, and I got <laughs> married in this class. And then ultimately, obviously about six years later, we truly got married. And so, you know, I, I'd love to understand like, you know, what was it about that individual? Right. Yeah. And about, you know, the fact that. I watched her for about three years from afar, never talked to her, but all of a sudden she was there at the very end of our college career. Yeah. And so, you know, I want to understand that. Yeah. So I would, I would want to talk about that. 
Um, and then lastly, we would, we would zip down to, let's call it the late 90s, uh, down to the Metrodome and, and spend a little time uh, in early 99 and, you know, ask why a, a field goal kicker who had not missed a kick inside of 40 <laughs> yards the whole season would decide in the NFC championship game to, to kick yeah. one from 38 yards wide left uh, and Gary Anderson. Yes. And I want to understand why the hell ha- that happened. There it is. There, I knew it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so those oh. are the three things I want to. I want to get some answers to Jeff. So we're going back in the time machine. I love it. I love it. You can you can share the answers when you get them. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, uh, who are you going to go to church with? Yeah, so this is somebody who, going back to the days when I was at church uh, every week, and this is an individual by the name of Father Paul Blaze, who was a a priest at St. Augustine's Church. And he gave me my first communion, and he was a family friend first and foremost. He really kind of, my mom and him got along great, but he was at a lot of family events, etc. And he had a really unique way of relating the message from church to real life. And so I learned more in the, you know, three or four years or so that he was at St. Augustine about kind of how things work and why they work the way they did. Because I had a lot of questions. There's there's so much kind of um, protocol, I guess, to the to the service every week. And I, I always asked him, like, well, what does that mean? And why do we do it that way? And why do we stand here and kneel there? And, you know, that kind of stuff. And so he was answering a lot of those questions back then. And I've always kind of wished I could thank him. And I don't stay in touch with him today. He actually left the priesthood and got married um, and continued to be a family friend. But, you know, he was close to my mom and, and we just don't stay in touch with him anymore. But I'd love to go back and spend more time with him and, and number one, probably thank him. Uh, mm. But but, you know, continue that education about, you know, some of the things that, that I see in the Catholic mass. Yeah, that's cool. That'd be great. Um, is he still so is he still around or, or he is, where, where yeah. is he? Yeah. He's okay. in Texas. He's in Houston. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. All right. Fun segment question uh, number three. And this is one because you give such great advice uh, to young and old people like myself included. Um, so you could probably reposition something that maybe you've even uh, sort of espoused on, on the girls if you care to. But uh, uh, fun segment question number three, if you could give just one piece of advice to a younger man, uh, a, a teen boy, let's say, really far upstream about just living a, a, a confident, you know, humble, holy kind of way of life. What would be that one piece of advice that you'd give? Yeah, it'd be short and sweet, Jeff. I mean, it, and it's really, I think, you know, critical in today's environment. But the message I would give is just be present. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's so much noise around you and so many distractions that that can come across your day-to-day life. And you just got to do your best to block it out. I think, you know, if you can do that, you're going to have deeper relationships, family, friends, God. Um, but, you know, I think that there are plenty of kind of, and you and I have talked about some of this, but there are Jesus moments that happen more than you think in your life. And if you've got your head down, you might miss it. So mm-hmm. be present and be thinking in those terms. And you might find that you're seeing more and more Jesus moments in your life uh, that then you realize before that. So with all the distractions, just be present. Just Just focus in. I love it. <clears throat> Straight to the point. Tom James, thank you for uh, your time today and for everything that uh, the way you're living, the way you're uh, the way you're teaching all of us um, how to live. You're uh, you are a, a true friend. 
and uh, really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.